0: You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, which is being dropped on the 16th day of October 2020, we're going to be talking about, well, a kind of crazy day of baseball. And my God, Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. This show is available on the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts when you're staying at home during these trying and here in California, sometimes smoky days. Be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Fantasy Baseball with Scott Cullen and Lockdown Braves with Dylan Short. It's a good time to be hosting Lockdown Braves. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMLBPod. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Let's talk about the second game first. The the idea of momentum in baseball and this is rolling into this and this team build upon that is, is obviously bunk because you could have a situation where Los Angeles blows the doors off of Atlanta in a humiliating fashion down. What was a 12 run to 11, 12 runs, whatever it was in the first inning. And then the next day, the final score is 10 to two the other way. I mean, it's truly astonishing how the carryover from one game to the other is zero and I've been watching baseball a long time I've been watching baseball since the late 70s and yet I still get drawn into things that I know aren't true oh man Dodgers won that game and now they're, they've woken up their bats are alive hand the ball to Clayton Kershaw next thing you know this series is tied two to two now, there's one thing that's slightly deceptive about that 10-2 to game, and that is for the first five innings, it was a thriller. For the first five innings, it was uh, Clayton Kershaw and the kid was, I keep wanting to call him Bryce Harper, Bryce Wilson. By the way, side note to Bryce Wilson's mom and dad, Bryce is spelled – B-R-Y-C-E. Bryce Wilson spells his name B-R-Y-S-E. Look it. You can write whatever you name whatever your name is is what your name is. And when you get handed that birth certificate form after your kid is born, I remember when it happened to me and the pressure that you have when they said, okay, here's a cert- your birth certificate. Fill it out with your kid's name. And my wife was in, she was recovering from the birth. I had to be the one to fill it out for my kids, Aiden and Maddie. uh, They're twins. And I'm like going, what am I going to fill it out? What am I going to fill it out? Do I spell the name right? Aiden is it with an A or an E. Maddie, how are we spelling his name? And I could have named, I had the power to name my son Maddie Obi-Wan Kenobi eggplant parmesan flapjack Sullivan if I wanted to. I could have done that, filled that out, handed it back. They would have sent it to Albany. The state of New York would have handed me back your son, Obi-Wan Kenobi eggplant parmesan flapjack Sullivan. We call him Maddie. But I didn't. Do you know why? Because there are guidelines, and there should be rules in terms of how to spell your name. And if I wanted to name my son Matty Bryce, I would go B-R-Y-C-E. Not S-E. But you know what? The way he pitched today, he could spell his name any way he wants. Held the Dodgers to a solo home run. The solo home run by Rios and one walk, and stymied the Dodgers, but then, but it was still one-one in the bottom of the sixth, and the Dodgers did not play great defense, and suddenly Clayton Kershaw had his annual implosion, and here we are. The idea that the Dodgers blew the doors off the dump yesterday, and we're going to hand it to the to I was going to say something, and it was going to offend some people. Statistically, their greatest pitcher. And that, it's that'll be a win. The series tied. Now, here we go. We're going to game five, is going to be played in a few hours. It's the it's the nightcap. And right now we got May, and he's going up against TBD. Now, one of the things that was going to make this year because it looked like the Dodgers were going to win. I thought they were going to run the table. And I felt there was something karmically wonderful about that because they had been cheated out of the world series two straight years. Once with the Astros, which was the most egregious one, the other with the Red Sox in 2018, 2017 Kershaw was about ready to shed all of the choker labels. Cause he dominated the Astros in game one and came out of the bullpen and dominated them in game seven. It was that one game in the middle where he got smacked around and we found out why that's one reason Astro fans, you're, you don't get to tell people when to move on. That was going to be his great John Elway moment. That was going to be his moment where no one could question him anymore because that was going to be the World Series, he was going to dominate. And when he was at home, he did on the road, that one game, it didn't happen. And I felt like this was the payback for him, his legacy. Yeah, it's a shortened season, but here's your ring, here's your title. Let's all learn to move on and heal. And all he had to do tonight was not be awful. And I am so tired of this narrative. I'm tired of the Clayton Kershaw narrative, but evidently he's not, or at least the powers that be in baseball want to drag it out. He's a remarkable pitcher. One of the greatest pitchers I've ever seen in my life. And yet he can't shake this. And as much as I want to say, but he's had great games, but he's had great games and he has. Even this year when he you know, pitched against the Brewers, he had a dominating game then. He has these moments where he has a great postseason game. They like, oh, finally, it's going to happen. But then last year, lets up those home runs out of the bullpen, loses the final game, gets bombed in the final game against the Red Sox in 2018. We know what happened in Houston. 2016, with the pennant on the line, gets bombed in Wrigley Field. 2015, loses a game to the Mets. 2014, I'm doing this from memory, folks. I want everyone to appreciate that. 2014, gets, you know, bombed twice, including letting up the Matt Adams home run. 2013, doing it from memory, everyone. Gets absolutely pants by the Cardinals with a pennant on the line. You know, I mean, you start to see a pattern develop when it's every year. It's every year it happens. You could almost set your watch to it. And I like Clayton Kershaw. I'm not a Dodger fan, I'm a baseball fan. And I like greatness. And Clayton Kershaw is an all-time Dodger great. In fact, I'm going to tell you something right here and now I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again, I am not someone who treats war as the end all be all in terms of this is how I judge the, you know, greatness of a player. Yeah, I don't think of it as that type of, you know, it's not that stat for me that I think some people treat it like, oh, this is you know, this is how I'm going. This is how you judge a, a players by war. I've used it as a good starting point. I use it as a, you know, okay. Let's say if if someone has a really good war, then you know that's a good sign that they're you know that's a good sign they're a good player. But the Dodgers have had a storied history, greatness, lots of titles. Lots of trips to the World Series, lots of Hall of Famers from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. Do you know, with all those Hall of Famers and all those great players in Dodger history, what player do you think has the biggest career war total in the history of the Dodgers? What player do you think it is? Clayton Kershaw! Now, again... This isn't the end all be all, but he has obviously accumulated enough something to be considered in the conversation of the greatest Los Angeles Dodger of all time. And yet, if I even burp that to anybody, the discussion will come down of his failures in the postseason. Now I want to say something. This is one reason why I don't treat war as the end all be all. Forgive me if I go on a tiny bit of a tangent here, but I still don't understand war. I don't. And what I I understand the concept that these are the wins above a average player that this person gives your team, that he's worth this many wins per year. I understand it in theory, but I really, really don't understand how it's calculated or how it's even quantified when Pete Rose passed Ty Cobb I say oh he got that hit he passed Ty Cobb when uh, Ricky Henderson stole that base that beat you know Lou Brock's record both single season and career that was the moment he stole the base boom that happened when someone passes someone else in war uh, it's so confusing and let me let me tell you something here about this I have a question about war. A few years ago, I looked up on BaseballReference.com and Don Drysdale was the all-time leader career war in the history of the Dodgers. Today, I went to the same page to see where Clayton Kershaw was to see if he was at the front of the line. He was, but Pee Wee Reese had passed Don Drysdale. Don Drysdale had the highest war and now Pee Wee Reese passed Don Drysdale. And that's confusing. Did he come back to play and I missed it? He died in 1999. He hasn't been alive this century. And he surpassed Drysdale. They're both dead. I don't, I don't, I mean, but th- did they find an extra hit somewhere? Did, did Don Drysdale get docked a few points because he was on the Brady Bunch as a guest? I, I don't, this is why I don't understand about it. How, how did you pass him? What's going on? But what I do know is that according to this, Kershaw is number one in Dodger history. And yes, 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 he is going to go to the Hall of Fame. But he, until he gets that that weight off of his shoulder, it's going to be it's going to be rough. His peak, I mean, he had a wonderful shortened season in twenty twenty. His peak has been since really since two thousand ten, where he's worth you know two hundred some odd innings. Sub three ERA. All you know, the two, two, 2011 is when he became the dominant one. So even if you say his peak began in 2011, well, that's a 10-year peak. 10 years, and as a starting pitcher. So I don't know. You know, if the Dodgers lose just one more game, we gotta go through all this again. We gotta go through all of this again. And good God, you know, he, I mean, his career ERA in the postseason is 4.31, which means there are some games like Lee pitched against the Brewers this year, like he pitched against the Braves in 2018. Like he pitched against Chicago in 2017, against Arizona um, in 20, well, there was a couple other times he just absolutely had great postseasons, and against Atlanta in 2013 as well. And that also means that when he's bad, he's grotesque. So, look at—I don't want to talk about this anymore. I want to see Clayton Kershaw get the win, but it's going to be sitting there. It's going to be really sitting there and it's got to just drain you. It's got to take the energy out of you. And what I got to say about that is if it does indeed take the energy out of you, then maybe it's time to grab a Built Bar because Built Bar is new and it's improved and it's even more delicious. They've got new flavors like Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp, or some of the original flavors like Mint Brownie or my personal favorite, which is Chocolate Raspberry. All the bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And if you are a health conscious guy, then guess what? Built Bars are good for you. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're fine for low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. It's great for the keto diet. Let's take one of these new flavors. Coconut almond. I love coconut and I love almond. I actually haven't had that one yet. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. So here you go. You get a free cooler with purchase. Wall supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code On. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, the other series is going on. And let me tell you something. I've been emotionally distancing myself from the Boston Red Sox mainly because. I, I no longer feel connected to Boston fandom. I don't like what Boston fandom has evolved into. That being said, there are certain elements of my Red Sox fandom that I'm going to be, feel a strong connection to. And the biggest one is the 2004 Red Sox, obviously my favorite team in baseball history and what they did in the ALCS coming back down 3-0, vanquishing the Yankees and going on to the World Series, which they won. I don't know if you heard about it. It was a pretty obscure series. And the Red Sox remain the only baseball team, Major League Baseball team, to overcome a 3-0 deficit in the best-of-seven series, and it hasn't happened in basketball either. And I refuse to invite the Houston Astros to join that elite fraternity and yet here we are two one-run games two games that came oh so close almost a game-tying home run in the ninth inning of game four and then a walk-off home run by Carlos Correa and let's face it you may not like Carlos Correa but he is having an absolutely outstanding postseason he is owning October and understanding I think better than anyone else on the Astros and anyone else who are Astro fans understand the Astros are the bad guys. And Correa seems to be relishing that role. Good for him. He gets it. He gets it. And Hey, I give the, the Astros credit. I give the Astros credit. They, they, you know, there was a big time hits G man Choi game tying home run. The Rays got the, Potential go ahead run on base in the ninth inning, and Presley did not necessarily look great, but he got out of it. The Astros got the outs when they needed, they got the hits when they needed. They were, they looked dead from the neck up after game three, and they came back and won two very tough games a bounce here or a bounce there, and they are already gone. So now we're going to see a game six, and it is a extraordinarily intriguing matchup. Framber Valdez has been terrific for the Astros, basically saved their season by coming out and pitching those five innings in game one of the wildcard series against Minnesota when Grinke didn't have it and the Twins couldn't rally, and Dusty Baker let him pitch the rest of the way And it kind of set the tone for the entire series and he's been effective. Blake Snell is pitching for Tampa and of course there's no rest and Snell pitched well enough in his first start and they haven't used Diego Castillo. And I don't believe they used Fairbanks in yesterday's game. I'm actually going to have to look that up. I don't quite remember. I know that they they homered off of uh, Anderson, who has been surprisingly ineffective. Yeah, they didn't use uh, Fairbanks. So they, you know you have some of their key relievers are available to go tomorrow. Same with Thompson. So the Rays will be able to pitch, and they, they pitch well, you know, Seegers pitched two and two thirds innings. Fleming pitched three innings. He did, you know, he did let up a couple runs, but, you know, they're going to get good pitching, but man, oh man, Tampa Bay's bats better get going. You know, Lau homered and, you know, Choi is, uh, you know, Choi's hitting the ball pretty well. Rosa Reina got another home run. I mean, he's just outstanding, but they need Meadows to get going. They need Diaz to get going. They need Wendell to get some more hits. Adamus got a hit here or there, but he's still batting under 100. Or, you know, so, the, you know, Zanino and it's Zanino, Rosarena, and Choi are the bats who seem to be the most hot for Tampa Bay. He, let me make a suggestion. Far be it for me to tell Kevin Cash how to run his team. But why not lead off Rosa Rosarena? Why not? Why not give him the most at-bats? You know, when the lineup turns over, here he is again, here he is again, here he is again. He's hitting the snot out of the ball. In fact, why not have your top three hitters be a Rosarena, Choi, and Zanino? Why not? They seem to be the only ones hitting. Give them the most at-bats. Okay, maybe you don't do that other thing, but I would lead off a Rosarena. If the idea is the leadoff hitter, gets the most trips to the plate, I want a arena to have the most trips to the plate. But the Astros could make this a series. And of course, I we'll just talked in the early part of the segment, the idea of momentum, meaning this or the other thing, I don't think it does. I, I, I really think these games are being played in vacuums. That being said, there remains a scenario where the Astros coming off a cheating scandal and finishing with a sub 500 record could win the pennant and the Dodgers would be eliminated. Can you imagine the nightmare that would be for Dodger fans? But here we go. We have at least one more day with two baseball games and I'm looking forward to it. So go to the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app. Like us wherever you get your podcasts. I am going to be recording a special bonus episode for this weekend. So this is one of those those weeks where you're going to have at least six locked on MLBs. You may have as many as seven if some of these series go really long. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.